Our reading this evening is Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace." There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. These men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Perhaps it was simply because he was reacting against the dream he had had that Nebuchadnezzar built this tall statue of gold. Notice that it was all of gold, unlike that vision he had of a statue whose head was gold and whose torso was silver and whose lower parts were bronze and then clay and iron in the feet. That's an unstable image. And Nebuchadnezzar knew that he was the head of that image. That's what Daniel had told him. But maybe he was concerned about his head being toppled. And so he built this tall statue of gold and then he issued a command. He issued a command that everyone should bow down and worship the statue. And that is how you can tell that Nebuchadnezzar's Nebuchadnezzar's power is frail. That although he could make a statue of gold, he is much more like clay. That he is fragile. His power and authority are fragile. Here's how you know. Because he issues a command that everyone bow down and worship. The one who has to compel obedience, or rather, to put it this way, the one who is satisfied with compulsive obedience is resting on shallow power, frail power, fragile power. King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't care whether all of those people, whether the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and so on, he doesn't care whether they actually love him or love his statue. He doesn't care. All he cares about is that when they hear the sound of the music, they fall down and worship. That is, he cares that they fear him and fear his punishment, and he does not care whether they love him. He would be completely satisfied to have everyone bow down, to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bow down, even if in their hearts they were worshiping something else. Even if in their hearts they hated the king, he would have been satisfied just to have them all bow down and to see it. That's what Nebuchadnezzar wanted. It's the best he could hope for with the kind of frail power that he had. It is a frail kind of power that relies 
on compulsion or that is satisfied with compulsion. You see how frail that power is when even the fiery furnace that is heated seven times hotter than it is usually heated cannot touch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's compulsion, that fiery furnace. That will get you to do just about anything, that fiery furnace, and yet it had no power whatsoever over Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is how you can diagnose so many of the forces in our world. Do they care about what your heart loves, or do they simply care about obedience? Do they care that you submit? Do they care that you give way to compulsion? Do they not care except that you bow down and worship? If that's not a description of most of the forces in our world, if not all of them, even the force of our own sinful consciences, then I don't know what is. We have this sinful heart, and this world is beset by sin, which thinks that simply being in lockstep, simply bowing down, simply paying lip service, is all that is required. We live in a world that does not care about hearts. It only cares about action. It does not care about what's on the inside. It only cares about what's on the outside. And so long as what's on the outside shapes up or measures up, the world is satisfied. And that is how you can tell that its power is frail. It does not get to the heart of the matter. Nebuchadnezzar was far weaker than he wanted to be, and again, that's perhaps why he built this statue. He was terrified at his dream. He was terrified, and he was even more terrified when Daniel gave him the interpretation. Things are not so solid as they appear. Now, if Nebuchadnezzar had heeded the warning of that dream, he might have set aside his vanity and humbled himself and worshipped the God who gave Daniel such an interpretation, worshipped that God instead of building a statue of his own for everyone else to worship. But that's not the approach Nebuchadnezzar took. Instead, he doubled down. He dug in his heels. He held even tighter to this frail kind of power. That's another way you can see when power is frail and weak. is when the person who is wielding it feels like they have to hold on tighter and tighter all the time. It's the kid who says to his friends, I'm the one who's in charge here, who insists on being in charge, who really isn't in charge at all. It's the mom and the dad who say, you have to listen to me because I'm your parents, who are not wielding any power at all. The one who has to hold on tightly, who has to insist, no, you have to do what I say. It's that person who has no power at all to just demonstrate that their power is weak and frail. It is a weak and a frail power that leads Nebuchadnezzar to set up this statue. You heard that refrain over and over again. It was a statue that he set up. He set it up. He put it up in the plains of Dura. He put it up for everyone to bow down and worship. But everything that man assembles, God can disassemble. Everything that man constructs, God can destroy. With a word, with a breath, with a thought. And that is exactly what God does today. But he starts by making things worse. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are brought in before King Nebuchadnezzar because some snitching Chaldeans think that they can make a name for themselves by identifying these three Jews who are not listening to the king's command. They they don't listen to you at all. They don't obey what you say. They don't care about your commands. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do care, perhaps more than everyone else. If they are faithful, which we know they are, then they know that they should honor the king from their hearts and not merely paying lip service to him. They know they should honor the king because he's God's king. God has appointed 
that king to serve over Babylon. And so when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego disobey, it's not because they hate the king, but it is in fact because they love him in a way that nobody else does. But this enrages King Nebuchadnezzar because they simply won't obey and he sees in them a different kind of power. Not a power that they themselves wield, but a power that they respect. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not fear God in the way that all of those people bowing down feared Nebuchadnezzar. They fear God because they love him. They fear God because they trust him. You heard their words. These are incredible words. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You're just pretending like you're in charge. If this be so, if you're going to cast us into the furnace, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Fire can't do anything to us if God would so choose to protect us. He's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand one way or another, either out of the fire or through the fire. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We don't care whether God lets us burn or not. We don't care whether you seem to have your way or not. We don't care about your threats. You're not really in charge. Your power is frail and weak, but we know the one who is, and we love him. Their obedience to God does not stem from compulsion, not because God flexed at them and said, you must bow down. Their obedience to God comes from their love, which God has poured into their hearts. God has given them faith to trust in God's promises. And so they're unafraid. Nebuchadnezzar cannot stand it. He sees a different kind of power being wielded in the hearts of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a kind of power that is completely foreign to our world. It is foreign and offensive to our world because no one can understand it. Why would they lay down their lives so willingly? Why would they not be afraid? Why would they not tremble? in the face of a burning, fiery furnace. And so Nebuchadnezzar heats the furnace seven times hotter. His rage is matched by the heat of that furnace. He intends to flex and to show them, to show them what he means. They toss them into the burning, fiery furnace, and we discover, what is no surprise to you, that God is gracious and kind. Not even the men who were throwing them in could survive those flames. They were subject to that frail and flighty power of Nebuchadnezzar, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But notice that God's salvation for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is not from afar. It's not a distant kind of love. It's not a distant kind of salvation. Not a distant deliverance. But there's a fourth man walking around in the fire with them. I see four men unbound, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. How is it that God saves Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Sure, he could have doused the flames. Sure, he could have just put up a force field. He could have plucked them out, whatever he wanted. But instead, what did he do? He showed his power in this, that he went and suffered with them in the flames. But he brought himself low to be with them in the flames where he did not belong. He didn't have to subject himself to the tortures of King Nebuchadnezzar, and yet he did, walking around in the flames with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is a kind of power that is worthy of love. That is a kind of power that deserves worship. That is what worship means. It means to ascribe worth and value to something. Nebuchadnezzar and his statue, they're worthless. And the people who bowed down, who bent the knee, at the sound of all of those instruments, they were fraudulent. Their worship was fake. 
The statue was worth nothing. Nebuchadnezzar was worth, was worth nothing. It was all an act. It was all a ploy. It was all a lie. Nebuchadnezzar would have been satisfied with it, but here today he learns something better. In Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he learns that there is a better kind of power that comes from God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the kind of power that is wielded not through compulsion, but through love, through lowliness and humility, through an invitation, through a call, through repentance and faith. He says to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out of there, you servants of the Most High God. Nebuchadnezzar has a converted heart, at least for this moment. You see how he converts his answer. You would expect Nebuchadnezzar at this point to say, I built the wrong statue. That guy, that statue, that gold statue is worthless, but this God is worth a lot, and so everybody's got to bow down to him. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's got to bow, everybody's got to bow down to that God. But what does he say instead? He says, therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. It's subtle, but did you notice it? He doesn't command obedience. He doesn't command worship. Instead, he says, you must not speak against this God. You must not blaspheme him. That is what we will not tolerate. We cannot compel your hearts to worship this God. We cannot compel you to love him but we will protect his name. That's what Nebuchadnezzar does. He's learned a new kind of power. It's a long lesson for him to learn, and his road is not yet finished. He has more to learn along the way. The next chapter sees him learning it in the school of hard knocks. But see how gracious God is. He could have left Babylon to their own devices. He could have left them bowing down to this statue, all of those people paying lip service to a false god, and a fraudulent king. But instead, God was gracious. And even in the midst of this punishment, this discipline that he was giving to his people, in the midst of their exile, in the midst of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being far from home, God was gracious, not just to them, but to all the people. For his name was declared among all the people. Everyone in Babylon heard that this is a God who saves. This is a God who does not make demands, but a God who loves. And he is the one who is worthy of worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.